Hello, welcome back to my podcast. My, my instinct just makes me want to say not just paleo. I literally did this for, what, 200-plus episodes, so I'm still getting used to it being called The Evan Brand Show. Today, we're chatting with Daniel DeBon. He's a guy who's founded a company who creates EMF protection devices. There's a lot of stuff out there that's garbage. It's bunk. It just doesn't work. I've actually tested the device that we're going to chat about today, but also we're going to chat about the risk of EMF and the, the link between miscarriages and breast cancer and melatonin suppression and other types of cancers and the risk that cell phone towers and using a cell phone in the car and other sorts of daily exposures that we do and how that affects our health. If you don't make it till the end of the show, if you go to their website, Dan's company's website, which is defendershield.com, you can use the coupon code NOTJUSTPALEO no spaces, you'll get 10% off any of the EMF protection devices mentioned in this episode. But it's going to be super actionable. I think you're going to really enjoy it. So let's get into it. And then if you want to chat with me, you know, I, I chat with EM, uh, with clients all the time about EMF and how to properly mitigate it in your home for optimal health, especially for children. So we can chat about that. You can schedule a functional medicine consult with me at my website, evanbrand.com. All right, let's go. Daniel DeBond, welcome to the show. Evan, thanks so much for inviting uh, me. I really appreciate it. Hey, there's not a better way to start a Monday morning than chatting about EMF, so I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> You're right. It's a topic of the current conversation, so uh, let's go go at it and talk about it and help inform our uh, listening audience to some stuff that's going on in the world of electromagnetic radiation. Yes, sir. So you sent me your book, and the thing about the book, Radiation Nation, the fallout of modern technology, I like the fact that there's not any fear associated with the book. You just tell it straight how it is. You give us the science. You tell us what's up, What's where are the sources, what's up with EMF, and then how do you mitigate it? Because in this health space, some people, they create their business models around fear, and I'm just not a fan of being known as a fear monger, especially around a topic like EMF. Could you explain that? Why Why don't yeah, you bring uh, a fear? Th- there is nothing to fear if you have an awareness uh, of, of electromagnetic radiation. You, you, uh, what is electromagnetic radiation? Well, if you go back... If, 75 years ago, there really wasn't any electromagnetic radiation around us. Um, There were no machines, equipment, electronics. Uh, There were no heavy-duty wiring close by. There was nothing that generated um, emissions that could actually impact our bodies. Uh, Fast forward to today, the electromagnetic radiation that you can't smell you can't see, is all around us. And it's oftentimes very close to our bodies. So we have to be aware of of the sources of emissions that potentially can influence the cells of our body and the the, the, the way our body responds to the uh, environment. So, so uh, your laptop, your cell phone, your tablets, these devices 10 years ago were distant from us so we had mainframes and we had this big heavy equipment and now we put it to our heads we put it to our laps we put it to our um, uh, pockets 
Uh, and what is it that we put so close that we can't smell and we can't see? It's the transmission of the cell phone that connects to the cell tower. It's the Wi-Fi that is being used to connect to your router so your computer can connect to the Internet. And, and, and then there's the, and that's called radio frequency electromagnetic radiation. Uh, that's in the, um, it's, it's uh, slightly higher than the kind of electromagnetic radiation that you have from wires. If you have these 10,000 volt high power lines in back of your house, those emit extremely low frequency emissions at 60 hertz. Those are dangerous. The ones in your wall. Uh, create those emissions. RF, however, is very different. It's being generated by the electronics that are around us for the communications function, as I mentioned. And oh, by the way, in nature, there is no such thing as electromagnetic radiation. I often look at, I often share with uh, audiences the uh, a cow in the middle of a, a field does not generate electromagnetic radiation. The radiation we're talking about is the stuff we've created in mankind to make our lives good. And to answer your question about uh, the fear of these things, there's nothing to fear. We need to be aware of where we are in our environments and how we can minimize risks and, and, and how easily we can do that uh, with uh, just simple metrics in our lives. Now, how'd you get into this? Because you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to study and write about EMF. How did that happen? Well, it's funny. I, I, I ran technical laboratories for the Bell System. I was, I was, uh, my organization wrote, wrote the standards, the electronic standards, and did all the testing of electronic equipment that's in the industry. And so um, I sort of retired um, uh, from that industry uh, 10, 15 years ago, and my wife was um, uh, watching my young uh, young boys using their laptops on their lap four or five years ago. And uh, my wife says intuitively, that can't be good for you. And uh, my wife is not a science expert. Uh, of course, I am. And I instantly realized that there is extremely low frequency emissions and RF emissions coming out of that laptop. And I said, that is not a good thing for you to have close to your body. So we ended up trying to uh, investigate and find proven, technically sound solutions for trying to mitigate those emissions. I couldn't find it. So I built systems that do it. And so we started actually as a company helping to serve customers with products that help um, minimize or the, the exposure to electromagnetic radiation when it's close to your bodies, um, which prompted the book that we wrote, Radiation Nation, was that we were frustrated that there seemed to be so much misinformation out in the marketplace. We felt pretty compelled to try to help people understand the issues and take really take the fear out of what the, the problems were and try to help all of us understand what actions we should take in our own lives. For sure. So just people listening, the Bell system, this is led by, I guess it was the Bell Telephone Company and AT&T in the later years. AT&T owned everything. Yeah, AT&T owned everything. 
So you were setting up company. you were setting up telephone services. This was not this was pre-internet days when you were working in these companies. Actually, I did all the analog and digital testing in the networks. Uh-huh. So I was very familiar with all these subject matters um, and these emissions. Uh, they were all part of our, our testing programs. So how much time have you spent around cell phone towers? And can you get us up to speed on what cell phone towers are emitting and what your risk is in terms of distance and things like that? Okay. Um, well, let's talk about what electromagnetic radiation is. It's it's somewhere between um, 800 um, megahertz to several hundred gigahertz. Now you don't really need to know those numbers. They're just a space, a span, a spectrum of emissions that are being generated. And in the case of a Wi-Fi, for example, or a cell tower, they're all around the two gigahertz range. Well, a microwave oven and everyone knows what they are, they're in almost every household these days, what, what they do is generate a 2.4, 2.3 gigahertz transmission, which is identical to the, um, the RF signal that's coming out of your cell phone. And what, what does that do? Well, it, it, it heats the water in the meat, and then it oscillates the cells. That oscillation heats the meat, and it gets cooked. Well, guess what? That's what happens when you put a cell phone to your head. It is an RF signal that is equivalent to exactly the same as a microwave oven. So when you're in front of a cell tower, the best thing to do is move away as much as you can because those there are literally dozens of transmitters that are transmitting close to up to five miles. And if that five-mile uh, strength of signal can go that far when you're sitting very close by that signal that signal is hitting your body and does affect you so anytime you're close to a, a, a wa- cables uh, uh, over, overhead wires uh, which is extremely low frequency stuff or cell towers you want to be at least 200 feet away if you can now I may have mentioned in previous podcasts about the inverse square law. So basically, the further away you get, the exponentially less risk you have. Now, I've told people, and one of the questions on my intake form when I work with new clients is to look up antennasearch.com and then find out how many towers are within a four-mile radius. And the record right now is a girl up in New York City. She's got about 1,600 cell phone towers within a four-mile radius of her house. And... The least I've seen is, I want to say it's a client down in Montana. I think she had about four towers. And so there's got to be a difference because here's what I notice. Clients that are exposed to more cell phone towers, more RF radiation, I notice there's a lot more anxiety disorders, there's a lot more depression issues, and there's a lot more insomnia and or mood issues. Could you speak on some of the health implications, what people would notice? Yeah, let me help you um, think about the environments. Um, there, there are two different environments. When you look at electromagnetic radiation, you're looking for the environment that is immediate around you. When you have something to your head, when you have something in your lap, the proximity to the body is zero distance. That creates a whole raft of, of body impacts 
um, what you can imagine. Um, it, it literally attacks the cell. It weakens the cell. It, it then, uh, the, the calcium penetrates the cell. Uh, it then not, not, nitrite oxide builds out in the cell. That can mutate the cell. That can become a very serious situation, and some of us, uh, it can be very serious. So there's that environment. So there's the immediate environment. Now, when you talk about sleeping, if you have a cell phone that is one foot away from your, your head when you sleep, your, the process to create melatonin is, is impacted. As a result of it, it's interfering with the flow of melatonin to, to your brain for sleeping. So all of a sudden, you're having sleeping problems, and it's a direct connection to the emissions that are being generated from the cell phone. And in fact, in a room, anywhere in a, in a house when you sleep, you don't want any Wi-Fi. You don't want your cell phone. For that matter, you want the clock that you have at least three or four foot away from you. You want the distance in those environments. That is very different than the transmitters around you um, from cell phone towers. Uh, those are uh, very different from the impacts to the body with Wi-Fi by your neighbor. Um, it is very different than the impact uh, you get from the cell, the wires, the high-voltage wi uh, high wires to your house. That I call bees in the room. When you think about what happens um, with interference, let me, let me give you an example of a, of a classroom. It, it, we were talking that a cell tower, they generate 1.6 watts per kilogram. So that's um, a, not a really, really strong signal, but many of those can get pretty serious. In fact, Wi-Fi is very similar in terms of the energy levels. So when you have, let's say for a classroom, for example, and, 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 and you take a, a, a Gauss meter as well as a voltmeter, and you go inside and you read the three-dimensional signals that are being transmitted from all of the transmitting devices in the room, that can be almost a third. It can be almost a half a, uh, um, a, half a watt of, of, of uh, emissions. So that can impact with ADHD. That can impact with sleeping problems. That can impact. So the, the, it's the environment that's around you. So um, you want to make sure that in that environment you, you clean up the bees in the room. And you'll remember this because you'll think about it. One bee in a room won't kill you. One, one bee won't hurt you at all. One transmitter in a room won't help you. But if you have a 1,000, that we know from science it impacts the bodies in a very negative way. So let me clear that up. You just said one transmitter won't hurt you. So you're saying you're not concerned about one Wi-Fi router in someone's house? No. If, so the reason, the answer is no. But let me give you the parameters of reasons I say no. When you have a router, we always recommend put it in the farthest part of the house as you can. That distance in itself is a very, um, it helps reduce the uh, exposure. In fact, you were talking about the exponential uh, signal uh, of drop-off. Roughly one foot away, uh, a cell phone is 80% of the dangers gone. By four foot, almost 98. So just by taking that 
Wi-Fi and putting it in another room uh, and creating a distance of 10 feet or more makes it relatively safe. However, you want to make sure you don't have 10 Wi-Fis that are in the other room transmitting because if you do that, increases the bees in the room and begins impacting the cells of your body. Right. So, I mean, if you're in an apartment complex, you're in a condo, or you're, you're in a dense neighborhood, for example, you're going to register 5, 10, 15 different Wi-Fis. To me, it just oh, yeah. seems it seems so much easier just to go hardwired. I've gone completely hardwired. I'm talking to you right now through a hardwired computer where I have a USB to Ethernet adapter, and then that goes directly to the modem. And at first, what I was doing, and people that listened to my show heard me probably a year or two ago, I was turning off my Wi-Fi at night, and I was noticing better sleep. And I said, well, if I'm working from home, why should I be exposing myself to Wi-Fi during the day? What is that doing to my energy levels and concentration? If I'm noticing improvement at nighttime without it, what am I going to notice without it during the day? And so I've just gone completely hardwired. And it's just, to me, it seems like an easier decision. That way you don't have to worry about it, especially because I've got a little one running around the house. You know, that also helps to justify me just ditching the Wi-Fi completely. Is that best-case scenario, and is there a better scenario oh, than hardwiring no, everything? Evan, th there's no question about it. If you can take a, an Ethernet connection from your switch, your router switch, and you can connect it to your laptop, or you can connect it to your smart TV, or you can connect it to the switch, the, uh, the Ethernet switch that's at the TV, Anytime you can go hardwire, you eliminate the bees in the room. That's what you want to do. And there's no question. What I mentioned to you before was uh, the distance. We, 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 we said you've got to be aware of the distance that you're uh, from the device. Yeah. The other thing that's part of the bees in the room is the duration in which you're exposed. So uh, when you're eight hours are constantly exposed to an extremely low-level energy for eight-hour periods, that can impact the body's uh, process. And, and that's what you just mentioned, Evan. When, when you turn the router off at night, you're, you're taking that out of the space, and there is a minimal um, radio frequency emissions that are being transmitted into those rooms, and the body... Be, uh, is, uh, there's no impact. If it's not there, there's no no uh, um, impact to the cells. You make a good point about discussing the immediate radiation that people are exposed to, because I think about the big zoomed out picture of cell phone towers and stuff like that, but you make a great point. I mean, I cannot even keep up with the amount of people that are driving while talking on the phone, texting while oh, talking yeah. on the phone. I mean, it is so bad. I know certain states have banned it. I would hope for... I don't know, some, some more strict rules about it because one, it's just not safe, but two, you've got so many distracted drivers on the road and somebody slams on the brakes or they swerve into your lane and you look over and they're on the phone and they're trying to eat french fries at the same time. It's just like, good Lord. But that 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 is a point that I forgot to mention, which is most people listening, they might not be able to do much about these external sources. Like maybe they can't just pack up and move away if they're closer right, to a right, cell phone exactly. tower. But right. they can stop putting the phone to their head. So, like, for me, right now, I'm talking to you through one of your AirTube headsets. And I love this yep. thing. Now, i got a question about AirTube headsets. When you've got the wire that still goes up your body, 
Yeah. What are you transmitting there? Is that RF or, that, that, wh- or what? What is that? It's, it's not RF. It's extreme low frequency. Um, it, it's the stuff that is 300 hertz or below. Okay. Zero to 300 hertz is the space that that is. And it's very low energy. Where it becomes a... Uh, I, we were talking about cell, uh, the cell phone transmitters close to your head. So last year, uh, there was a $25 million study by the uh, National Toxicity Program, which is the division of the federal government. They created a, a laboratory environment. They eliminated all ambient emissions in the space. And it was an epidemiology study that had a, a statistic to statistically significant number of um, subjects. And what they did was they created transmitters from typical cell phones. And what they did was they transmitted for a period of time and they did a study on impacts to the body. So what they found was, um, and these guys were really, really smart. Um, they were just brilliant guys because um, one of the things I didn't mention to you is RF signal is known as a thermal emitting signal. What that means is it heats your head by two degrees or less. That's what the standard states. You can't have any more power than 1.6 watts because if you do, you're going to heat the head more than two inches, uh, two, uh, two degrees around the area of the head. And so what these guys did was they removed that impact of the emissions aspect of the signal and all they did is looked at the biological impact. And what they found was that the frontal lobe and the heart increased with mutated cells, the DNA-damaged cells. So there was no doubt. There was conclusive, statistically sound evidence by the federal government that says, when you put something close to your head, when you put something close to your heart, when you put something close to your, your, your lap, there's an impact. And, and you need to be careful about putting stuff like that so close. And it's a matter of not a big deal. As you just pointed out, there are things you can do to minimize those exposures. Uh, I, I often cite another example. There are some physicians that I, I think are overreacting to the exposures. Um, but w- w- what they're saying is, if you have a cell phone in your back pocket, a, a female, in her back pocket, she's 12 years old, they're saying that there is enough evidence to suggest if that is in the pocket for extended periods of time, it potentially can impact the cells within the womb. And then the child has becomes an adult, has potentially a DNA damage cell, a mutated cell, that's part of the womb, and she has a baby. And then there's problems, and no one really knows the source of the problem. And it may be that the cell phone itself impacted that uh, the cells within the womb. And then you have the subtending generations beyond that being impacted by th- this young girl putting a cell phone in her pocket. Yeah, near, her, in her pants. Yeah, her back it, pocket so, or in front, in yeah, front, right by yeah, her ovaries and, and her yoga pants right. or in the bra. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it's crazy. There, there are some 
scientists that actually are concerned about some tending generations with the impact of the, these exposures. And, and Evan, as you probably know, there's a lot of study work on uh, the impact to the breasts of a female. Yep. Um, there is a, they become cancerous mutated cells uh, in worse conditions. And there's evidence, lots of scientific evidence that's, that, and demonstrated studies that have shown these links. Um, and, and all you have to worry, all you got to do is take it a foot away and most of the danger is gone. Exactly. It's simple as that. I know. It's not a complicated problem. I know. It does seem so simple. I've seen so many guys that wear button-up shirts or any other type of shirts with the front pocket, and it's always over the heart, and they've got their iPhone just sitting there all day. And I had a friend of mine who's a cardiologist on the show, Jack Wolfson. He came on, and he said he talks to people all the time out in public, and he says, look, ma'am, you know, I'm not checking you out, but I'm a cardiologist. Don't you think that cell phone's doing something to your heart? And most people are just clueless. They're just like, I never thought of that. I know. It's a stunning. Evan, I, I have mentioned to you the impact to the cell. Yes. Um, um, but re remember, our bodies are uh, conductivity, electrically ma managed conductivity within the body, and, it, and there's functions that are occurring in the body that are impacted. From science, we know these things. You can actually take a cell phone. You can put your hand up, and you could have somebody push it down and they can feel the resistance. You can take a cell phone, put it right to your heart, and have that same person put your hands down, and what you'll find is there's less resistance. The, the, the cell phone is truly interacting with the electronic communications within the body, so you, and it loses strength. So you just talked about muscle testing. So you're saying you can literally muscle test a cell phone and find yourself to be Oh, weaker. yeah, you can see the difference. Oh, yeah, there's, huh. there's no question about it. I consider that a Paula test, by the way. It's, 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 it's not the most scientific of evidence, but there's clearly direct links, and we, we do have those direct links in science, we understand. Um, but if you don't believe it, put it to your heart and see what happens. And you'll you'll see it that the, the the impact. Let me ask you. Um, let me ask you. What do you know about the blood brain barrier? Because I think a lot of the research that's going to come out is going to continue to point to the permeation. We talk about leaky gut, but for me, leaky brain or a permeable blood brain barrier due to the EMF is going to be one of the biggest things that we're going to notice. And when we look at Alzheimer's and all of these other neurodegenerative diseases, for me, I always look at for one the gut, but to the brain, because I've seen some studies about whether it was very low uh, ELF frequencies or RF frequencies that can actually disrupt that protective blood-brain barrier, therefore allowing toxins into the brain. Well, actually, um, that's, a, that's a great um, study point. Um, in, in fact, um, the gut is this, we, we have, um, we, we are interact with uh, many, many, many customers throughout our day. Oftentimes, we get phone calls asking us to help them with electrohypersensitivity. By definition, that's what it is. They talk about the tingling in their hand when they use a cell phone. They talk about their heads hurting when, when they're near their laptops. Uh, they, they talk about a lot of things that are occurring in their lives that make it more difficult. And, and in some cases, we know some of our customers actually literally couldn't go outside. They were so impacted by the uh, electromagnetic radiation that was surrounding them. 
So we've done some investigation into this space, and what we know is 20% of our population is electric hypersensitive in some form or format. So we know that um, they weren't born with that. So we believe, and science is proving to some extent this is the relationship, that the gut itself is diminished in its ability to autoimmune. And so we actually, believe it or not, are working with a, a group of experts in the space, and we're looking at trying to build out the gut to improve the ability of the body itself to maintain the stability of the cells. And so I don't know if that is the problem with leaky brain, as you just talked about. But what we do know is an origin of a lot of the symptoms that we see every day is it was not, they weren't born that way. And so we're looking to build um, a strategy in helping our customers um, deal with that. But, so, but, but I agree in general we have no clue what the impacts of these cells uh, being exposed to emissions and to the body being exposed to these emissions and the long-term impacts. We, we do have a lot of evidence that demonstrates clearly we have a challenge, but I don't think we – this is still an open book. And we know it, it impacts the, the, the cells. Uh, the, the blood cells. We know it impacts um, the processes within the body. Uh, so uh, when when you were talking about uh, the, the brain challenge, um, that is interfering with process, and that is very real. There's just no doubt about it. But we don't have enough scientific evidence to point to that is a direct correlation. Right. We just don't know yet. To me, it's silly, though. I mean, people say, oh, there's not enough evidence. Oh, yeah. But it's like, why, okay, why wait? You're going to wait 20 years, and then everybody shows right. up with X, Y, Z, and then you're going to say, oh, now we know. I'd rather go ahead and take the preventative approach now. now I want to ask you about smart meters a bit. I know we're jumping around in this discussion, but it's hard not to because there's different sources and different so, things yeah, that we're up right, against. Exactly. Now, if you've got a smart meter on your house and you've called the utility company and you've told them, look, I want to switch to an analog meter and they will not do it, and no matter what you say, no matter if you send them the letters, I think it's called like Freedom Freedom Takers. It's like an organization right. that helps people get rid right. of smart meters. Let's just say all of those efforts fail, and you have a smart meter, but it's at the, the far end of the house. Now, I know different utility companies, they're going to ping that signal to get a reading of your usage, and it's going to be different. Some may ping every five seconds. Some may ping every five minutes. Some may ping once a day or once a month. If you're at the other end of your house and that smart meter is there, let's say it was pinging every five seconds, but you spend most of your time in the room on the complete opposite side of the house, due to the inverse square law there, does that mean your risk is relatively low? There's absolutely no doubt. That's exactly what it means. Don't panic because uh, that is a one to two gigahertz transmission. It's a uh, spurious, it, it, it's on and off, uh, in some cases very few times a day, could be many, many times a day. It can be in maintenance modes and working constantly all day. And so there's various spaces in which it can perform, and it's a transmitter of about 1.6 watts. 
So what does that mean? If you are 20 foot away, you have no problem. If you have, if you are 10 foot away, you're fine. So long as you're making sure that you've reduced the number of bees in the room. Exactly. You want, yeah. yeah, you work on reducing bees in the room so there's not this ambient that's increased within that space. So if it's on the wall, don't panic. And it really, honestly, if, if you're really, really worried, go get a piece of aluminum foil. And on the inside of where the meter is, Put aluminum foil all where it is, and it won't it won't transmit in that direction. Yeah, I've heard about some fabrics that people are using now that you can integrate yeah. into your walls as well. Yeah, that's all. Those are uh, a piece of aluminum can do the same thing. Believe it or not. Oh, okay. All right. Just standard kitchen stuff is a piece of aluminum you can put on the inside wall, and it's uh, what is an RF signal? It's an omnidirectional signal. What, what does that mean? What it means is. It, there's a tiny little ball at the very tip of, of, of a transmitter, and it opens up a little bit, then it opens up a little bit more. It opens up more and more and more. It's in all directions, up, down, right, left. It's in all directions. What you do when you put a piece of aluminum on behind it, you prevent the signal from going the direction within the house. And what you're allowing is the transmitter to till go out. It's a, it's a simple, and that's what, that's what you, you want to try to do. But, again, you're 20 foot away. If it's on a garage wall, don't worry about it. I would not panic. Okay. I'd panic if it's on the wall where I sleep yep. eight hours a night. That's a big problem. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that you gotta, that, that you got to be. And in those cases, if that's where it is and you can't move it, you take your bed and go into another room. Or you take the bed and put it at the far end of the room so you have at least 10 foot away from the transmitters. Right. Okay. Got it. Now, we've talked about different frequencies. So you talked about, for example, like using an air tube headset with the cell phone, you may be around 300 millihertz, whereas with your Wi-Fi signals and such, you're going to be into the gigahertz. We've got like 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fis. We've got 5 gigahertz now Wi-Fi signals. Right. Uh, generally speaking, when you go higher up, into the gigahertz, does that increase risk? Uh, Is it that black actually, and white, I guess? I don't even know. Is it, it? No, uh, and, and here's, here's some uh, of the... When... when, when I, I, don't, I hate to go too detailed, but, but here's, the, here's the, what you worry about. When, when you had a... Um, when, when cell phones came out uh, 20, 30 years ago, the standard was created on an analog signal. An analog signal means it's a constant transmission. In other words, it's constantly moving out. That is a constant load. When the uh, the uh, G, uh, 4G, 3G yeah. came out, that is a digital signal. That is a on-off signal. It is not a constant load. So what does that mean? What that means is um, when you were before worried about it hitting your cell, it was not necessarily screwing around with the membrane of the cell because it was a constant load. So like, say, for example, you take 10,000-pound load, put it on a piece of concrete, and watch it, see if it breaks. It won't. 
concrete will stay there forever at 10,000-pound load. Now you introduce a digital load on and off, on and off. You take 10,000 pounds on a piece of concrete, and then you lift it up and down, lift it up and down, guess what happens? Concrete breaks. Got it. That is a jackhammer impact to the cell with the digital signals that are being transmitted today. Now, I don't know if you were going to this, but there's this 5G stuff going on. Yeah, I think Austin, Texas, by the way, which is where I used to live and I will never live again, is I believe they're going to be one of the first cities in the United States to implement yeah. a 5G cell phone signal. So talk us through, talk us through yeah. about the 5G here. Yeah, so now I'm going to give you what you were looking for before. You were asking me what, what, what the impact of this stuff. Um, I'm going to now explain. Now that you have this jackhammer, it's going 5G up to 30 gigahertz. There's there's a 30, um, 30, 30 gigahertz span from 1 to 30 gigahertz that never existed. So that's speeding everything up, but that's not changing the load to the cell. However, they're using what they refer to as MIMO, multiple in, multiple out. That means when they transmit information, they transmit it over not one path, but two paths. That is a, and, and what does that mean? It's like if you have water that you're filling up uh, your pool with and it's really slow with the one garden hose, you put two garden hoses in. But what does that do? It it doubles the the speed in which you fill the pool. Well, that doubles the speed which you now are transmitting and receiving. But now you have two jackhammers. Got it. Now are you That's saying are you saying 5G is going to use the same range in terms of like millihertz? It's going to use the same range, but it's just it's, going to be it, multiple it, signals. Yeah. No, it, 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 we, we talked about, you said 2.4 and 5 gigahertz, right. uh, Wi-Fi, right? And cell phones are around 2, um, 900 megahertz to the 2, two megahertz range, roughly speaking. Um, when you, I'll, I'll tell the story in Wi-Fi. When you sell 2.4 gigahertz and you go to 5 gigahertz, they, all, they say that's broadband. Why is that broadband? Well, the reason it's broadband is twice the stuff is going across the, the the transmission twice so that's how come it's faster it, it, it's, it's twice as fast the data is going from one place to the next twice as fast than the 2.4 well with with 5g it's 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 not four gigahertz it's not a 2.4 gigahertz it's not five gigahertz it can be up to 30 gigahertz so it's much much faster but in and of itself that doesn't impact the cell what impacts the cell is now you have two hoses, not one, the MIMO. Got it. Yeah, and, just, and those are dangerous. I was just reading about the MIMO. So here's a little bit of background for people listening about mobile generations. So the first 2G system was deployed in 1992. The 3G system appeared in 2001. 4G came out in 2012. And then 5G is coming out this summer of 2017. Right. Okay, that's interesting. And I think it's pretty interesting. I guess that's the word I'll use. When you see articles like this that say AT&T is running trials of 5G wireless in Austin this year. It's like, what is, what are they looking for in their trial? I'm guessing it's a different trial than what my trial would be. 
AT&T says that their wireless network grew 150,000% from 2007 to 2015. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, well, well, actually, what they mean by trial is they're going to get a transmitter, uh, a cell phone tower, and they're going to get a bunch of phones, and they're going to see if everything works. That's what that means. Okay. Yet, yet, a point of fact is there's literally, literally been no science study impact to the cell as a result of that increased speed using a MIMO technology to the transmit new, Yeah, signal. the new 5G. Yeah, I mean, well, right. how could the it? Big, they just it developed was a big it. Thing. The, the FCC said there's no big deal, literally. They said, we're not worried about it. And, and so, so the FCC standard was, was written 30-some years ago, as we said, right? Yep. What they said is we don't want to send it for more than 1.6 watts per meter squared, because we know it heats up two degrees. While they never considered the biological impact of the cell, and now you know it was an analog signal, oh, not a digital signal. Let me get this right. Let me let me restate that in a different way just to make sure it's clear for me, but also the listeners. So the FCC back in the 70s or whenever this was, 80s, 90s, when the radiation standards were set— they were taking a look at only thermal exposure. How much does tissue get heated by these radiation, not what's happening biologically to the cells? And this was using a constant signal, which was at a lower frequency. Now we're using a pulsed signal at a higher frequency, but that's never been tested for biological yeah, that's effect. Exact, that's exactly right, Evan. Uh, it's, it's sort of interesting how that that is. And, and, and oh, by the way, a point of fact, when when the standard, um, when, there was a fella who was part of the CTIA, which is a a body of Wi-Fi uh, service providers, uh, excuse me, uh, cell phone service providers. And, um, and uh, he ended up having the job as the chairman of the FCC reviewing the standard to see if it's acceptable or not. Uh, I'm not saying he was biased, but I would be suspicious. <laughs> well, I mean, if you just type in cell phone carriers lobbying, you can read about how all these big companies, including Sprint and all these other companies, yeah. are lobbying the FCC anyway. So, I mean, how yeah. how would we get new research unless it was independently done? Because, to me, this, right. is, this is the new smoking, and... If it were to come out that this stuff is so bad, you've got seven billion phones on the. You got more phones on the planet than people. Uh, but he, you know, here's the thing, Dan. I don't think the average person cares, though. It's like they, they could hear all of this and they don't give a damn because they love their iPhone and they love scrolling on Instagram too much to give it up. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you, um, and uh, um, they should be do some things with our precautionary, as you pointed out before, to mitigate it. Uh, hopefully they will. But uh, let, let me give you a, another statistic. Um, for the, You know, when that standard was created and I had a cell phone, I didn't have anybody to call. My buddies didn't have cell phones. So when they set the standards, they set it on casual use. And as you just pointed out today, 
your 12-year-old son or daughter is sitting with a cell phone to their head, that's not casual use. They're using it constantly. As a result of the last 10 years, significant growth in cell phone use uh, worldwide to the point where there's one cell phone roughly for every person who lives on the planet of the Earth. Um, this is uh, a situation in which we have these transmitters being transmitted. What we know for the last 10 years, a point of fact, is the frontal lobe cancers to cell phone use, directly correlated to the transfer of the cell phone use, has grown 2% per year and compounded for the last 10 years. Interesting. Now, if that, yeah, I don't know if that's important to you, but it's certainly a fact of science. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. The future, the survival of the human species, fertility, et cetera, included, health, not being cancerous, et cetera. Do you believe the future of humans, is it, you know, how uh, Darwin says survival of the fittest? Now, and, and I guess this is really a low, this is more of a statement than a question, I guess. My belief is that the future is going to be the survival of I don't know, I guess you would call it the biohackers or the people that are going to implement mitigation strategies, going organic, reducing Wi-Fi, reducing cell phone risk, spending more time in nature away from these signals, spending more time in less urban areas where you don't have 1,600 cell phone towers in a four-mile radius. What's your thought on the future of humanity and EMF at the, at the current state that we're, the current state and pace that we're headed? Well, you know, it's funny. Some of our science experts think we're in a laboratory test right now, and everyone's looking to see what the result of the study is. And and and, and we, we haven't seen statistically sound study work with scientific evidence that's clear and evident up to this point that the masses do. By the way, if you look at smoking, cigarettes, and cancer, I was 12 years old. I smoked cigarettes many, many years ago. And at that time, there was no evidence whatsoever in public domain that there was cancer links. Okay, fast forward today, now we all know that there's a link. And when you smoke, it's, you're doing it at your risk, and you know science already has a direct link. Well, guess what? When I began smoking at 12 years old, the science community knew. The only thing that was different is that the courts, the, the, the subject of smoking went to court, and they lost. Yep. And, and it was that event that actually got everyone to think about it. I well, saw actually, that. That's, I watched that video yeah. on YouTube. It was like a classic video. I think it was in the 70s, and the, I think it was Congress asking these bigwigs of these smoking companies, do you know that smoking cigarettes causes cancer and they just sit there and denied and denied and denied they look like such fools when you look back at the video evan let me tell you the story back in the late 70s 78 there was a, a physicians group at in the uk and the chairman of uh, uh, uh morris uh, philip morris was asked does this impact a pregnant woman and he said no it does not however the baby will be smaller and what woman wouldn't want a smaller baby? That's what's what he said in that review. It was like bizarre how how cavalier they were 
with the lives of all of us. So let's get back to your question. Do I really know what's going to happen in the future? What I, this is what I do know. I know that only 20% of us can really ultimately feel it. That's a statistic that we all pretty know in science uh, with electromagnetic radiation. Um, we don't know if it's genetically based or not. Some people will not be impacted, so their, their, their genes will keep them protected. Others won't. We don't know the impact. But there's no doubt it will modify some people's lives probably in the 20% range or less, uh, in a some way or in a severe way. Hopefully not too bad. Right. Now, let's go back. I've got a couple couple follow-up questions. In terms of cell phone towers, so if you go on antennasearch.com and you do find that there's cell phone towers, what is the minimum distance that you would like to be? Because I saw a study that was done in Brazil, and you could basically plot the dots on a map of the instance of cancer within a 500-meter yeah. range, yeah. basically 500-meter oh, yeah. circle around this tower. Everybody started getting cancer as soon as they put up that tower. So to me, if they say 500 meters, I'd rather be triple that amount. But what, what would you say is the minimum distance? If you were scoping out a house, the minimum distance you would like to be from a tower? Um, uh, the, the general rule in our industry is stay at least 200 feet or more. See, that's nothing. Um, if, if, yeah, which is nothing. What I recommend to our customers, don't walk but run. Don't ever buy near. And the reason why is what I said to you before. It's not just the distance. It's the exposure throughout a 24-hour period. Right. And that's where the dangers lie. It is a low-voltage signal that is a constant load that's a digital load on the cells over long, long periods of 24 hours a day. So I would say I personally would recommend at least a quarter of a mile away, if not longer. These signals go, as I said, up to five miles. Yeah, so for example, just for the conversion here, so 500 meters, which is what this Brazil study I looked at showed, these cancer instances, that was 0.31 miles. So for, yeah, that's for, about, yeah, that's why I said I would, I would go farther, uh, no closer than that at all. I'd say a mile. That's that's what my gut says. Oh yeah, I Evan, uh, I, my my starting point was don't go anywhere near it. Exactly. The, 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 you when you go and you see a, if you have power lines, ten thousand watt, uh, I mean ten thousand volt lines in your backyard, go take a fluorescent light bulb, walk back there, and probably within two hundred feet, you'll see the thing light up. I've heard that. So that really does work. Oh yeah! Oh my those, gosh! Those those energy levels are that strong, and 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 um, interesting. I got to tell you a story. I worked with a uh, in Bell Labs when I was in Bell Labs, and uh, the, the expert uh, at that time for the Bell system uh, on uh, on the power uh, emissions. Uh, and when cell phones came out, he said, there's no way I would ever put it to my head. And he was referring to the power lines. Uh, and and there are uh, digital RF sig, uh, uh, three, uh, three, uh, ELF from cell phones, believe it or not. There's up to 15 milligauss, 10 milligauss, which is a substantial amount of emissions. Yeah, we didn't even and hit I on said, we didn't hit on. I, I haven't even talked much. about. Yeah, I haven't even talked about that. Yeah, I got out of a house 
in last summer, there were power lines in front of the house. Now they weren't the massive high voltage ones. They were still they were like the old school. It was a kind of like a fifties or sixties neighborhood. It was the power lines that were above ground. They maybe sit fifteen feet above your head. Uh, on the street so they were still emitting plenty of power but they weren't the super high power lines and I was measuring about seven milligauss in the front yard and then two milligauss in the house and everything I've been told is for children and just for your own health you want to be less than one milligauss in the home especially where you sleep and so I got out immediately and now I'm at a place where I'm at a baseline of about 0.2 milligauss and I just sleep so much better at night Partially, maybe because of the reduced risk, but probably just peace of mind, really. No, there's actually impact. Uh, you, you know, what I, I didn't mention to you before, what is an extremely low frequency milligauss level that could be dangerous? And um, we were talking about a fertility fatil- before. Uh, it, 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 uh, 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 Cindy Sage is a, a, one of the uh, scientists we, we work with. And she did uh, a study years ago, and she found that at 15 milligauss, which, by the way, is not much. Two milligauss you were talking about is nothing. That's definitely a safe zone. Um, and, but this was 15. And that's actually fairly low. And what she found was that there was an increased probability of miscarriage by three times the normal. Triple the, from yeah. 15 milligauss. So you, you're right. You really do want to try to find the best space to live in and have the lowest levels that you can get. And two is, is actually, by the way, an inter- two to four milligauss is the international measure of safe uh, for uh, ELF. Yeah, the, the guidelines that I use, I use the building biology guidelines. They've got like a, I don't know, 100-page document or something, and they've got, like, these strict evaluation guidelines. They'll tell you the conventional, almost like almost like laboratory testing, like blood testing for people. You know, the conventional range is crap, and then yeah. you've got a functional range, which is much tighter. And they've right. got your, right. your AC field, so, like, your ELF and your VLF. They've got levels there of where you want to be, and they just say, basically, long story short, to save people the hearing the numbers, less the least number you can get the better and that's radio frequency that's dc fields that's ac fields that's magnetic fields i had one more question for you and i can't remember what it was now oh (laughs) yeah i do remember cell phone use in cars talk us through that a bit yeah when you use well first of all i got to remind you uh, a cell phone has a, a cell phone transmitter a Wi-Fi transmitter, and a Bluetooth transmitter. There are three independent transmissions that are of a digital ilk coming from that cell phone. And then you have the DC ELF stuff coming off of there. So I wanted to say there's a lot of stuff coming out of that. If you don't need the Wi-Fi in your cell phone, turn it off. Yep. If you don't need your Bluetooth, turn it off. I will not have any of those device active uh, functions active when I when I use my phone. And uh, so let's go back to your question. In a car, what is uh, what's going on? Well, there is a a barrier, a, a metal barrier 
that's in your car. And, and so what happens? Cell phones can transmit at three different levels, low, medium, and high. Most of the time, it's directly correlated to the distance to the cell tower. If you are 50 feet away, it's really low. If you are um, uh, three miles away, it's very high. Right. Most of the time these days, it's medium to low. So given I said that, in a car, it's always the highest. Because it has so to work when you, harder. and Because it's got to work harder. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. I was going to ask you about flying. So basically, long story short, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I know we're running out of time. So basically, long story short, if you have to use a cell phone, would you just suggest trying to pull over and make the call there? Because when you're driving, aren't you having to pulse that signal higher to connect to each tower as you're driving down the road? Okay, you passed that yeah, tower. Like, now yeah, you're approaching yeah, this that's tower. Exactly what, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Okay. Um, and uh, I will not have my cell phone on in a car. So I put uh, I put it, mine it, on I put mine on airplane mode. I never have Wi Fi right. or Bluetooth on, and then I just leave it on airplane mode. And I just hope that if something ever happened and you know I got in a wreck, hopefully I'd be able to scroll down and turn off right. airplane mode and make the right. phone call. I trust that I will be able to. Now, uh, in terms of flying, I don't personally like flying often for many reasons. The bleed air is disgusting. Breathing in the jet fumes and such, the way they put the bleed air into the the cabins but you've also got everybody with two or three devices each on on planes so would you advise anything like say wearing one of those emf canopies and wrapping yourself in that while you're on a plane is that worth the the effort well this is what i know um cockpits and cabins of aircraft are there's uh, uh, there's a significant number of transmitters uh, for communications that are RF, um, um, and so what does that mean? That's the bees in the room problem. Uh, that that's not the uh, zero distance to the body problem. It's the bees in the room problem. And so, um, quite honestly, um, if you're in it for an hour. I wouldn't panic. If you're in it for three hours, it, it, it definitely is impacting your body. Whether you need to go to the extreme with uh, shielding of the body uh, with some of the clothing types available uh, is a choice you need to make. But there's no doubt it's impacting your body the longer you're in it, uh, the aircraft. I wonder if there's any brands that, if not, you should work with me and let's develop a brand of clothing that has some type of material inside of it where we could use like organic cotton interweaved with something else the bed canopies i'm trying to figure out what exactly they use let's see they use cotton but they use they typically use um um a fabric that's infused with uh, conductive materials is it silver uh, or what what are they infusing yeah, typically, it with? yeah typically silver there's a lot of that kind of available in the, in the marketplace. Um, and, and the reality of it is it, it does work. Uh, they're not 100%, but they certainly are probably around the 60%, 70, 70% range. That's huge. Uh, I mean, which, if I was forced to live in New York City, I would like oh, yeah. to wear an EMF clothing. Well, well, you asked me the question before, what do you do in an apartment? That's a serious place because... Yeah. 
that's a lot of bees in the room. And a canopy is the kind of thing some people think about as a way to reduce exposures. And RF is very easily conducted by those materials. So you can conduct it to ground, and it's keeping you safe. There's no doubt. Ah, that's cool. Okay, so if you, let's just say these bed canopies and such that people will use, those aren't really grounded necessarily. That's just the fabric itself that's per- right. that's protecting you. Is that right? right? Yeah, that's right. You want to know something crazy? Uh, I just found something called the block bag that's a... It's a microwave radiation protection sleeping bag. It's 350 bucks, and you sleep in this bag. The lady in this picture, she's got, like, the net over her face. She looks like she's suffocating herself a bit here, but uh, that is Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, There's all kind of stuff I, coming out. There, there is a lot of things, uh, but, but I got to tell you, you got to just be cautious. It's not – you don't overreact, um, but be aware. It oh, does impact you. I I know we're out of time. Um, Tell I I want to ask you this though. This is my last question. Maybe I'll have one more after. But please shed some light on these ridiculous EMF pendants that you see people wearing. Oh gosh, uh, 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 Evan, uh, that's why I got into this. When I when I I, I of course I'm a, 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 a engineer running laboratories for years and years of the belt system. So when I came involved, I actually tried to find a product to help protect my boys. I couldn't find it because they didn't even understand the problem. Most of these manufacturers, if, if not all of them at that time. So pendants, they do nothing. They are uh, aphrodis- uh, excuse me, a uh, placebo <laughs> at best. Uh, they do not have any sort of magic buttons, uh, a lot of products. In fact, when you look for a solution, you really want to find manufacturers who have independent laboratory study work that states independently that it does what it says it does. And you don't want to have studies that are indirect. Oh, look, the blood changed slightly. That means nothing. Uh, you have to look at the electrical signals. You have to look at the the the, um, the impact of the electrical signal with the device. So you really want to make sure. Like we have a we have a our company Defender Shield. Um, we went to a, a, a laboratory uh, in Atlanta and we said test our products to make sure we do what we do. That way, everyone who bought our product would know it does what it says. Uh, I, we actually knew more about it, testing than they did, but. We they weren't we weren't independent, right? So a word of caution: make sure whatever they say, and it's not a um, it's not independent testing; it's direct testing. We have customers often where we saw them with a, a, a button device, for example, on a cell phone. Yep. And uh, uh, actually, a very well-known person came to us, and they they, they were electrically hypersensitive. And they had this button, uh, and I and uh, I, I took it off their product, and I, and I said, "Put your phone in here." They put it in, they used out, and they could actually use it without their head burning. We actually do what we say we do, but be careful about. I don't believe in a lot of stuff that's out there, right. and if you want to believe it, make sure they have studies that demonstrate it. All right, that's you, independent. You brought up one other thing I have to ask. 
my understanding of the cell phone radiation cases is that when you try to start blocking the cell phone's radiation, that you're going to cause the cell phone to go into that high power output setting because you're drowning out its ability to reach the tower. So therefore, it's going to crank up and create more EMF. Can you speak on that? Yeah, that's not true at all. Uh, it may be true with some products, but what you, you want to take that omnidirectional signal. You want to be able to put a barrier by the transmitting part of the cell phone and allow it to continue transmitting normally. It can see the cell tower, and it can transmit to the cell tower. So you're only blocking one is, side. Is that, is that right? You're only blocking, yeah. You're not blocking all of it. You're blocking the side that's to your body. And it doesn't do anything to the, it doesn't increase the, the amplitude of the signal from low to high because you have a barrier there. Okay. Either way, I'm going to guess you still, even with a protective case, you're still not going to put the cell phone to your head. Is that correct? You personally? Actually, I do. I never would put a cell phone on my head. I have no problem putting it to my head. Ah. Not at all. All right. Because I know the signal's not there. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, very safe. And when I put the, my, I never put my phone in my pockets. I do now. I just throw it in my pants pocket, and I don't think twice about it. You're brave, no, because I'm just kidding. well, I, I I I have those barriers that we uh, we have. We actually have very very sophisticated technology we use. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna have uh, a I'm gonna have a discount code for people. So at the end of the show, after we wrap this up, I'll have a discount code for you so you can check out some of Dan's products. I've got the pad for my laptop, which is great. I've tested it. I've measured it. I know it says, oh, look, we've tested it. I test everything myself. If somebody makes claims, I make sure. And it does check out. This pad is awesome. And then like I mentioned, I'm talking to you on the AirTube headset which hey, hey, is hey, Evan, awesome. those those earphones, I wanted to make sure they were the highest fidelity as well as safe to use. Agreed. So, A lot uh, of the AirTube headsets out there, they sound terrible. Junk. But they're junk. You can't use them. <laughs> I know. I know. These are the best ones. So I want to say thanks. I, I begged your company a bit. I said, hey, look, come on. I've promoted... Yeah, your guys' products before. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan. Come on, send me an AirTube headset. And they said, okay, one. Uh, you're you're a one-time special person, and your company <laughs> sent me an AirTube headset. So it's much appreciated, and I promise it'll come back to you 10x. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Dan. Any any last words of wisdom or advice before we let you go here? No, uh, except I really uh, we've said it a bunch of times today. Do not panic. Don't get upset. Keep distance from you with devices if you choose not to have any protection devices that you can buy. And you're perfectly safe. Remain one foot away, 80% danger is gone. Four foot, 98. Don't forget the bees in the room. Uh, Make sure when you don't need it on, you turn it off. When you're... Um, when you have a bunch of stuff in a room, make sure it's not, you take away the stuff that can be eliminated by hard wiring. Simple things keep your family safe. Um, and, uh, uh, and let's not be part of the scientific study to see the impacts to our bodies. Agreed. Let's, let's take an action and a little bit of precaution, uh, in every measures 
uh, goes a long way in this space. And so those are my words of wisdom. Absolutely, Dan. Much appreciated. Look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thanks again for your time, your wisdom, and for doing the work that people don't do. They come out and they make some crazy claim about a product, and then it's crap. So I'm so glad. And uh, I've got a couple of friends who have used those little cell phone radiation dots. And it's like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding? How's that going to do anything? Uh, Yeah. Well, thanks an awful lot, Evan, for inviting us on your show. We really appreciate it. And for us, um, it's pretty important that we help people understand their environment. And and it's changing uh, with Radiation Nation. Um, and, And... it's really a definitive view of where it came from, where it is, and where it's going, yep. and what you can do about it as a family. And so I, I encourage everyone, if they'd like, to think about uh, learning a little bit more. And it's not in a scary way, but in a way that helps you make uh, informed decisions. For sure, for sure. We'll put a link up on my website, evanbrand.com, for the book Radiation Nation, or just Google it. You'll find it. Pick up a copy. It's definitely worth the read, and it's a a level-headed approach to this whole subject. So, Dan, thanks again for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks again. Okay, bye-bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. As we mentioned, if you go to DefenderShield.com, they are not paying me to tell you to do this. I'm just providing the discount code because they gave me one. So you go to DefenderShield.com and you enter the coupon code not just paleo at checkout, you'll get 10% off. Like I said, I have the laptop pad. That's what I use. I don't have the cell phone case. I'm not near my cell phone enough to justify using that. I don't use any of the other devices. Uh, I, I do use the AirTube headset with the microphone attached to it. So check it out, DefenderShield.com. Use the coupon code not just paleo at checkout. You'll get 10% off. And then if you want to schedule a consult with me, you can visit my site, as you know, but I'll tell you again, evanbrand.com. Also, I want you to go subscribe to my YouTube channel. We've got thousands of people over there, but I'm putting up several videos per week at this point. I've been at a pretty good pace, pretty good rhythm putting out content there. I've published several videos this week, and I'm going to publish several more videos as uh, the next week comes. Videos such as uh, improving your air quality in your home, uh, some of the root causes of chronic fatigue, some signs and symptoms of Hashimoto's and how to treat thyroid disease naturally, et cetera, et cetera. So just go to YouTube, type in Evan Brand, subscribe to my channel. I'll chat with you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss a girl and I never please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible clues. Why I'm in a tire, gotta watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that loves you better.